In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So, today's a special day. And we joke about it, but people are genuinely feeling anxious about the world. Whether it's been what the Middle East has gone through for the past five years, or what we've gone through in the European referendum, or the American elections, or what we've seen unfolding around the world, there's anxiety. There's a sense of being unsure. And it even changes, even turns into being fearful. But I need us to remember that we're here for a purpose. And I know it's a big ask sometimes. I know as Christians we're asked to always go above and beyond. We're always asked to do something that is superhuman. But we are really here for a purpose. When our Lord prays to God the Father in John 17, chapter 5, verse 15, and says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, that's for a reason. Our presence in the world has purpose. We need to be able to put our own personal anxieties aside and be sure of God's presence and God's power and God's sovereignty. And it's only when we do that that we're then able to be reassurance for others. I can't tell you how many times over the past five years I have spoken at different events, in different settings, in different meetings, and it's all talking about pretty much the same thing. What's happening in the world? Whether it's Middle East Christians, Christians around the world, whether it's religious freedom, whether it's a response to war and turbulence. And I sit there and listen to people speaking around me, and they speak great facts. I've learned so much being around people who speak. I learn facts, I know figures, um, I understand contexts, I become wiser and better informed. And then it's my turn to speak, and I've always got to remind myself that my presence there is different. I'm not there as another politician, because I'm not a politician. I'm not there as an NGO, because technically I'm not an NGO. I'm not a humanitarian organization. I'm not a relief organization. I'm a church. I'm a servant. I'm a minister. And in that context, what I have to give, my niche, my expertise, is hope. Not because I need to throw out the party line. Not because I have to follow that context. It's because it's what I believe. Now, I'm just talking about me. I'm speaking about me as a minister, a bishop, as a Christian. And I've heard it from so many other people. And you can tell. You can tell the Christian mindset from how people deliver a message. You know, we do run a risk of sometimes sounding delusional. 
or sounding disconnected, misinformed, or even apathetic. When we turn around and say, but there's good, there are good things. There are things that are worthy of our praise. There are things that are worthy of our recognition of God's presence. People say, what are you talking about? Look at what's happening, look at the suffering. We have that responsibility to be that sobering and calming and reassuring voice. Again, not because that's what we're supposed to do, not because there's a script, but because it's what we believe. We believe that we are in the hands of a mightier God than any obstacle we can face. We believe that we are in the hands of a God who is mightier, with more authority, more power, more sovereignty than any obstacle we can face. And that's why when we look at what's happening around us, we don't separate ourselves from it. We still try to help. If there's an opportunity to speak, we speak. To advocate, we advocate. To help, we help. To support, we support. We don't isolate ourselves from the world. We don't separate ourselves from the suffering of people. But we don't get engulfed in the same suffering in the same way. I've said this to you before, that if you see someone drowning, you don't just dive into stormy waters and try to help them if you can't swim. The best thing you do is to stand on solid ground, throw them a line, and pull them out. And that's what we need in this world more and more these days. To be able to stand on the solid ground of our faith, with our feet firmly established, and throw in a line and pull people out. If we get engulfed in the same hopelessness and misery, we're of no use to anyone. I was discussing someone with someone earlier today, the context of salt. If, you know, our Lord says, if, if salt is no longer salty, then it's, it's cast out. It just means we don't have the same function anymore. And the world needs us. The world needs you. The world needs me. The world needs us together. To be able to show it that there is hope. If we go to this verse, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's food for thought. Excuse the pun. Because if I don't have hope in God, if I don't have hope in His power and His sovereignty, what else is going to give me hope? The seasoning I give to this world, what the preservation I present in this world is through God's presence in my life. Where I can say, it's okay. 
come and see. Come and see what I've seen, what I've sensed, what I've felt, what I've experienced, what I'm sure of. If I don't have that, nothing else can give it to me. And sure, we see people seeking reassurance in lots of other ways. People will want to have extra income, extra wealth. People will go out and buy weapons. People will build fortresses. Lots of things that protect us. Protect us and our families and our wealth and our security. Lots of things. But does it really present the hope that we need? The protection that we have the one big insurance policy that covers everything is the fact that there is hope in God. I'm going to share a, a slightly mundane story with you. I um, had a mini meltdown earlier this week because, wait for it, I don't want anyone to fall over, but um, I had a problem with my phone and so I called my um, service provider and they said okay we'll send you a new phone so I need to back it up and so I because I believe in this stuff plugged it into my computer backed it up and felt wow this is so good I felt reassured I felt comforted got the new phone yeah, it's just a breeze you plug it in and everything goes back on your phone lost everything Everything. Now, if you can imagine everything for me, you know, you're talking about thousands of contacts, thousands of diary items. Uh, you're talking about text messages and emails and, and, and funny photographs that people send you and they have nothing better to do with their lives. And, you know, all of this sort of really important stuff. Now, thankfully, just to reassure you that the important things were backed up somewhere else. But it didn't work. I lost everything. I turned around and thought, what do I do now? And I was so miserable. I, I turned into one of those guys that you see on those airport documentaries where they go and they give the poor lady behind the counter a really hard time. I called this, the, the, the service center and I, well, you know, what are you doing? And I was really upset. And then I finished and thought, what am I doing? What am I doing? So I lost some stuff. I know that the important stuff is saved somewhere else, so that's not a problem. I can get that back. And in some strange way, and I don't know if you've ever had this feeling, I felt quite liberated. You know, the 5,000 apps I had on my phone, I suddenly thought, I don't need them. I'm actually living okay without them. The things that I'd accumulated over years, I didn't die. I'm still breathing, my heart's still pumping, the world's still spinning, we're okay. I'm just giving you the story to show you that we put our trust in certain things and then we realize, well actually, as long as the important things are secure, as long as my life, my life with God, people around me and their lives with God, then I can be reassured. <clears throat> Again, 
watching the news early this morning with the um, results of the presidential campaign in the USA, people were distraught. And I mean, let's face it, 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 was, it was a long shot. Everyone thought this was a real joke. And now suddenly it's reality. But, but no, it, it, we're in the hands of a mightier God. It'll be okay. It'll be fine. We've had worse. The world's gone through worse. We've experienced worse in our lives. People running around like it's the end. It's not really the end. That's the great thing about elections. You don't like the guy, you don't elect him next time. Makes a mistake, you don't elect him next time. He gets it right, you elect him again. That's it's the, the way it goes. But our trust is not in governments and rulers. Our trust in not in, is not in telephones and backup systems and synchronization. Our trust is in God who has our lives in his hand. And I've really got to feel that. When we listen to Job saying, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord, we all know that verse. We all say it. But do we believe it? Do we really live by it? When I lose certain things, am I really in a position to say, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord? Or am I distraught? Am I angry? Am I anxious? Am I unsure? Suddenly everything is shaken up. You know, there's a reason that we lose things sometimes. And that's because if we didn't, we would accumulate far too much. We'd have too much clutter around us. Even memories. We sometimes lose memories. That's because our minds wouldn't be capable of storing everything we've been through. And, you know, I remember His Holiness Pope Schnuder saying something which was really profound when you think about it. He said that when you speak about a loss of memory, all of us speak about it as a huge tragedy. But actually, in some cases, it's a great blessing. You know, think of all the times you've, you've suffered a loss, an embarrassment, a failure. Imagine if all of that was present in your mind all the time. If it was always there. Every time you tripped over and embarrassed yourself by falling flat on your face in front of your friends, or you had a major loss in your life, or you lost someone close to you, or you had a major disappointment. And we've all had them. I've been through situations that I am so thankful I can no longer remember. Because we're in the hands of a mightier God. And what he does is he takes away the unbearable from us if we just let go of it. Now sometimes we like to hold on to the unbearable because we feel that it's almost a lack of faithfulness if we don't. 
But that's not really the truth. We're meant to live a life that shows others that we're different. I, um, after the election this morning, I sent out a tweet, some of you may have seen it, something along the lines of, you know, it's difficult to be gracious in unexpected loss or success, but we need to be reconciliatory for the sake of all. And, and the young man sent back a message saying, thank you, Father, but these people would have you deported or something to that effect. Um, and my response was, well, and he, so he said, no, and I can't forgive. I can't reconcile. And my response was, well, you know, if you don't reconcile, you stand to lose a lot more than a citizenship. You lose your Christ-likeness of being a reconciler. So, if we can't do the basic things, if we can't forgive and reconcile, if we can't put things aside, if we can't say, well, I understand why it happened, maybe there's a justification, maybe there's a reason, maybe there's a purpose, maybe there's an excuse. And through that we forgive. If we can't do that, if we don't know how to do that, if we don't try to do that, then we lose some of what it is we are meant to give. Matthew 5.47 If you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Matthew 5.44-45 Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. All of these things. We all go through competitive times in our lives. And sometimes because we go through competition or comparison, we can't let go of it. If we're defeated, we feel like it's, it's, a, it's a loss to smear. It's an attack on my integrity. And so I can't let it go. So how important is what I think I've lost to me? Is my pride that important that I would be willing to not forgive and therefore not reconcile and therefore not be called the son or daughter of God? Is that what it's worth? Is that what we, we need to do? That's why our Lord goes a little further and says, no, love your enemy. Love your enemy. And St. Maximus the Confessor explains this and he says, when our Lord says, love your enemy, it's not just so you can forgive them. He goes and say, but so that he may free you from hatred, sadness, anger, grudges. These things that might poison us. 
Because if we're filled with these things, then we can't fill ourselves with the good things of love and forgiveness and graciousness. We become consumed. That's what we see. And God knows over the past years we've seen so much hatred and anger. Political parties, individuals, candidates, campaigners. And you get so drawn into it and so riled up that you forget. We forget that our Lord loved those who hated him and even those who crucified him. Don't forget that the greatest time to shine comes when there is the greatest darkness. So the greatest time to forgive is when you feel that you have been wrong the most. And let's assume you've been wronged. You've been wronged. Someone has insulted you. Someone has been competitive and beaten you. Surely that's the time to forgive. How, how and why would I forgive if I have nothing to forgive? So unless I can do that, what image am I presenting to the world? Why am I here? St. Paul goes into great detail about how we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador represents. An ambassador stands for. An ambassador steps up. So if you and I are ambassadors for Christ, surely we'd be, we should be acting in a Christ-like way all the time. Now I say all the time because we will get it wrong sometimes. Of course we're not perfect. But when we do get it wrong, that's where repentance and confession come in. That's where holding yourself to account or having those around you hold you to account comes in. That's where all of these things start to play a role. Those checks and balances, those safeguards, those boundaries. Because then in the midst of that, I can still make a mistake. I can still be that salt. I can still be that light. I can still be transformative. There's a lot of transformation needed. Transformation of darkness to light and, and hopelessness to hopefulness, death to life, a sense of loss with the presence of faith, all of these things. And that's why we're here. That's the difference you and I can make. When people see you at work in the morning, what do they see? Do they see someone who is just as anxious and hopeless 
as everybody else. Well, that surely is not helpful. What they should be seeing is someone who looks at everything that is around us and then says, but you know, it's okay. It's okay because I know, I know where I am. I know what I stand for. I know what I need. I know what the world needs of me. It needs of me to be that presence of Christ. It needs of me to be his light. And the only way I can do that is by giving myself completely to him. And you know, we say words like completely and totally and always. And I know I'm raising the bar. But as we know, the higher you raise the bar, the higher you reach up. If the bar is down here, then we're likely to hit this. But if the bar is up here, even if you fall short, we're still reaching up. So yes, we are always called to be transformative. We're always called to be His image and His likeness. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. All. Now if all turns into 80%, 70%, 60%, it's better than going 50% and ending up with 10 But that's it. We're called to all, to absolutes, as much as we can. Because if we go for this, if we love God with all our heart, soul, and, and mind, then surely that is what allows us to transform the world around us. That says to us, nothing can overcome you. Nothing can get in your way. Nothing stops you. Nothing becomes an obstacle that is too high for us. If ever we find an obstacle, we realize that it is God who comforts us and allows us and empowers us. And I know that sounds idealistic and theoretical, but as Christians we have to aim for ideals. It's not a bad thing, it's not a condemnation. To aim for ideals is right. Look at the disciples. They aimed for ideals. They were well, well short of perfection. But the ideals that they aimed for led to the Holy Spirit empowering them and them going out and preaching and speaking and changing the world. On that day of Pentecost, everyone who was there to celebrate the feast suddenly saw these men come out of, of the room where they were hiding and start to speak and speak with power and speak with authority. And St. Peter, who was the illiterate fisherman, who was rash, who was spontaneous, who cut off an ear, who denied, all of that, he was transformed into someone who spoke, spoke, 
and through those words changed the lives of at least 3,000 people that day, as well as everyone he touched throughout his life and his ministry. So if we go back to where we started, we realize that we have a purpose in this world. Don't let things that go on and things that will continue to go on beyond our lifetime, don't let those things change us. There will always be uncertainty. There will always be war. There will always be horrific injustice. What we can do is try to help alleviate that, to speak the truth and to help those who come by our way, to love and to forgive and to reconcile. But don't ever let the darkness of the world put out the light that is in you, that is meant to break that darkness. And glory be to God forever. Amen.